You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Allison Renborg from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And you are listening to the monthly Equine Affair episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for December the 15th. This episode is brought to you by Equine Affair. Good morning, horse world. It's the third Thursday of the month. That means it's time for the Equine Affair episode. North America's premier equine expo and equestrian gathering. Well, that's right. That means you only have 10 days left till Christmas. You can all thank me for that later. Only 10 days left till Christmas, which means it's only about five months left till we get together in April or May over in, uh, or in April, right? April 13th. <laughs> We're going to get together in, uh, in Ohio. That is correct. And, uh, your, your bumble there made me feel a little better because my head was spinning when you said 10 days till Christmas. So. <laughs> I tried to take you away from that. Okay, let's go back to the longer deadline, which is April for the next event. Although, I tell you what, I'm planning all my travel for next year, and it's like, I cannot believe I'm planning travel for 2023. It's it's really mind-boggling because I... um, just thinking about dates, like I remember when we hit 2000 and everybody thought the world was going to end. Yep. And now it's 2023. And I'm like, okay, well, we're still here. We're still here. And it's 23 it years weirder, later. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed it's weirder. <laughs> it, you know, those were the good old days. Yeah. When... <laughs> it's always the good old days. I was just a child and they were yeah. really the good old days. I don't know. I had to get up off the floor to go turn the TV to one of the three stations when we wanted to change stations. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> now you can just think it and it'll yeah, happen. Yeah, that's right. All have to do is say it and it happens. Yes, yes. Well, speaking of Ohio, I'm very excited to announce that we're coming. So, for sure Yay! this time. Um, we're, I, I, I can't sell the company. That's one of the reasons it didn't happen last time, but because that's already <laughs> sold. So, uh, we're coming. We're actually going to come up with the RV. We're going to camp there. And uh, you sent me the information on doing that. I did. We're going to camp right on site because why not? Right, um, and then we're going to head. Uh, we're going to head to a listener's house for a little while, and then we're heading to Kentucky because the week after is always Land Rover. So, and a lot of your vendors go from there to Land Rover. Yes, so, yeah. and and your birthday is happening somewhere in there too. Yeah, right? my birthday's always over Land Rover. <laughs> Just always. <over> that <laughs> I think that's a really good birthday event to have. I don't know. Maybe for a horse husband, I could pick something different, to be honest, um, as a horse husband. If any event in the world, like if well, you had true. the choice of any event in the world, true. what would you want to happen on your birthday? Uh, true. I would probably go to Scotland and spend it over in Scotland for my well, birthday. Well, duh. Yes. And by the way, <laughs> I have been too, and we need to talk about, we need to compare our visits because uh, I found, you've been, right? Yeah, we, we spent, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we spent a week in England and then a week in Scotland. Yeah, we need friends. to talk about that sometime. Uh, 
Maybe yeah. a post show. You want to hang around? Because we, we have a short show today. You want to do a post show? Yes. Let's talk let's, about Scotland. Let's talk right. about Scotland. I love it. All right. Okay. So auditors, hang on for after <laughs> for the post show. If you want to become an auditor, go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the auditor banner. All right. Let's talk about uh, Equine Affair in Ohio coming up April 13th through the 16th at the Ohio Expo Center in Columbus, Ohio. Um, tickets on sale right now, right? Yes, they are on sale right now. We always like to get started a little bit early because they make the perfect Christmas gift for the horse lover in your life. Whether that horse lover is you or someone else, you don't have to tell anybody. Just buy the tickets and they could be for anybody, even if they're really for you. Very good. And your <laughs> clinicians, I was just looking the first time I'm seeing this, your headline clinicians, because I think every one of those has been in the show some uh, multiple times. And they're all amazing. And this is actually the first time we're kind of declaring it out loud to the masses. So, I mean, do you want to make the announcement or should I? Well, I can help out because Guy McLean is a good, good friend of ours. We, we met Guy when he first came to the United States. I mean, I think it was WAG in 2010. Wow. And we met him back then and we've been friends with him ever since. We keep running into him at all these places. We've, we've had him on the show about 20 times. So I love Guy McLean. I am so excited he's going to be there because I get to see him in person. So I'm so excited. He's the sweetest man. He's actually one of the first interviews I ever did as a like budding journalist. I was covering an equine expo in Tennessee and uh, I got to in, interview him and he was already like a name but um he was so sweet to me and so gentle and i'm just sitting there like quaking with my microphone and he's just like kicking back and saying hey just chill we're having a good time and he was so nice he's great the next one was one of our first guests 14 years ago on the horse radio network and that's julie goodnight she was mm-hmm. one of our first guests, and then I met her after that at a couple. I keep running into her at events too, uh, but Julie has her own podcast, and she's been a uh, on a number of our shows many times. I love Julie, and she's a class act. I mean, every time I've ever run into her or learned from her or talked to her, she's amazing. So Julie is one of the good ones. She's awesome, um, and then of course our third. One is Jonathan Field, and we just had him in Massachusetts, and everybody loved him, so we're super excited. He probably excited. packed the house, because oh, yeah. Jonathan does. I've met him at Road to the Horse many times. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where I know Jonathan from, is interviewing him at Road to the Horse. Um, nice. Yeah, so he's a good guy, too. Yep. And you want to take the last one? Jason Irwin, I don't know as well. Yeah, Jason's cool. He has been, I'm trying to think, he has been with us a few times and I think he may have been booked for when uh, we had to pause because of COVID. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I think so. And then, and so we're just really happy that we're going to have him uh, in the spring. Jason's awesome. So those are your headlining clinicians, guys. And we will have many, many more to come. But definitely Guy McLean, Julie Goodnight, Jonathan Field, and Jason Irwin are your headliners for 2023 in Ohio. And we are so excited to have them. You also have your usual events. Of course, you have lots of clinics and seminars and demos and the trade show, of course, because everybody wants to spend money. Um, but you, you will you be doing Fantasia there, too? Yes, the night of show? course we will. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll have Fantasia. It'll be uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights, as always, at 7.30 p.m. in the Coliseum. And those tickets are on sale now, too. And I would urge you – well, I have a couple of notes about Fantasia. Okay. One – 
Buy your tickets early, especially if you want to go Friday or Saturday, because those dates are the ones that sell out. And number two, when you buy your tickets, make sure that you're buying for the right night, because (laughs) I was in the box office. This is going to make you really sad, Glenn, because it made me sad. I was in the box office in Massachusetts before each Fantasia performance, and I can't tell you the number of people who came up, and it was like Friday night, and their tickets were for Thursday night. They had missed it. They had. Oh, no. It was awful, and I could not, I couldn't help them. So when you're buying your tickets, please just double check your dates. Make sure that you are getting the night that you really wanted to go. (laughs) And yeah, because those tickets don't transfer. If you buy for Thursday, it's for Thursday. If you buy for Friday, it's for Friday. So, but make sure you buy those tickets early, guys, because you don't want to miss the show. It's going to be awesome. I mean, they're all awesome, but they're all different. And this one's going to be really great. So uh, obviously you have your horse and farm exhibits and horses for sale and demonstrations, all, all that usual stuff. Uh, yep. Your adoption fair with the Right Horse Initiative, which yes. we work with over on Retired Racehorse Radio yeah. and here on this show as well. Yes. Um, you're going to have a Mustang tip challenge, which everybody listens to this show knows what they are. Uh, also a Horses for Heroes. Is that a demonstration? Uh, so that's an interactive activity. Uh, for veterans, first responders, and active duty. So um, we usually try to have that at every event. This past year, uh, sorry, this past fall in Massachusetts, we partnered with the Equine Immersion Project. And if you guys were listening, we interviewed Tara with Equine Immersion Project. So they're the ones who had their horses and had their um, people there, and they got to work with, I want to say, a dozen um, veterans or active duty or first responders and they got to work with the horses and like actually experience what it's like. Um, so it's a really special activity and I can't think who, I don't know if we've picked out our partner for this coming spring yet, but we're definitely planning on it. It's in the works and that one's always really special and I think people get a lot out of it. Now you always have stuff for kids, but I'm seeing educational college and career fair scavenger hunt. Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, so we actually, that was on pause for a couple of years. I think COVID obviously, and then we weren't able to have it this past spring. We had it just now, just passed in Massachusetts. We're happy to bring it back to Ohio in the spring. And so it's a, um, multi lecture kind of scattered throughout the day, but then the kids get to go out and meet, um, organizations and colleges and they go on a little scavenger hunt and they're picking up things from different booths. And so it's a great networking opportunity as well as a fun game. And then there are usually prizes and that kind of thing too. So we really love that, that little feature of the event. Um, it's kind of a way for you to go, Hey, I could go to school for this stuff or I could get a job <laughs> in this field. Um, and I'm sure your listeners know the jobs in this field are really varied and really wide ranging. Like it's not just jockey, trainer, vet. Um, there's tons and tons of careers in the horse industry or adjacent to the horse industry. And that's what this college and career fair is kind of about is showing you all the different ways you can get involved. And, of course, you do artwork, right, at each show, like a poster kind of thing? Yeah, for each year we have, so you probably noticed we had the beautiful bay horse for both Ohio and Mass this year. And so it's coming to the end of the year, so we've got to pick new artwork for next year. 
So for 2023, our artwork is this gorgeous gray horse. Um, if you've been on our Facebook or on our website lately, you've probably seen it. We've already been kind of letting him debut a little bit. Um, but that is by an Irish artist named Tony O'Connor, and he is incredibly talented. When I was looking at the, um, I think Kogi sent me the pictures to kind of look through, and, and we were trying to decide what was going to be our feature piece of artwork. I really thought they were photographs. <laughs> And it took me a, a few minutes to go, wait, no, this is a painting. I mean, that's how realistic they are. Um, and so the gray horse is really a showstopper. So that'll be um, our featured artwork on our program. I thought it was a picture. I didn't no, know it was a it's a painting. Are you looking at it? Yeah, I'm looking at it. It looks like a picture. It's a painting. And it's amazing. I mean, all of his stuff is like that. So, um, so yeah, so that's going to be on our programs, on all of our posters, on our mugs, all that good stuff. And you can see it uh, in person at our event in Ohio, or again in Massachusetts, and we'll have it all over our Facebook and Instagram and uh, Twitter. So you can see it anywhere you want to see it. All right, let's get on with our first guest. And of course, you can get tickets at the 2023 Equine Affair in Ohio at equineaffair.com. And all the details are there, everything you need to know. And uh, tell us about our first guest. Yes. So our first guest, have have you met Fran? Do you know who Fran is? Yes. I met Fran, I think, at a, at uh, one of the media conferences. Yes. Fran is a member of AHP, like you and me. Fran Severn is an author. She's an equestrian journalist and a member of the American Horse Publications. And I was so excited to get to see her and, and catch up with her in Massachusetts uh, last month. She has written a new book. It's entitled Riders of a Certain Age, Your Go-To Guide for Loving Horses Midlife life and beyond. She was at Equine Affair in Massachusetts conducting book signings and presenting on some pretty cool topics for the writer of a certain age. And here's my interview with Fran. My name is Fran Severn. I have written a book called Riders of a Certain Age, Your Guide to Loving Horses Midlife and Beyond. Uh, I am here because this is my first book. It came out in April and I am signing book signings, which is tremendously ego-boostable. I'm also doing two presentations. One is called You're Never Too Old for Horses. The other is called Help My Spouse Hates Horses, or My Partner Hates Horses, to be specific. Um, so those are the two presentations I'm doing. And it's just very exciting and very overwhelming to be part of this. You know, I've come to these things as a spectator, as a shopper, lots of shopping, but um, never as part of the inner circle. And so let's talk about how your book got started. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, my book got started because I am a writer of a certain age. I'm 69, got a good hairdresser. And um, starting as an older person, never been around horses growing up, although I loved them. Um, I had some good instructors, but I had a lot of questions. And I didn't know where to go to get good answers. I belong to about a half a dozen, a dozen online groups that are specifically for our demographic. And... Um, uh, I was seeing answers that were really good, and it was the same questions, the same concerns. Fitness, health, equipment, instructors, money. I kept seeing this fear. Fear is a huge one. Um, and I was seeing answers that ranged from, this is really good, to, oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> and my training is as a reporter, so I began to write notes and look things up and um, began to say, yeah, this could be a book, and I didn't see anything else out there which either means you're onto something new or there's a reason nobody wants to read this. 
but while everybody else was baking cookies during quarantine, I wrote a book. <laughs> and it came out in April, and here we are. It's wonderful. So what's the reception been like? What have people been saying to you about your book? I uh, The reception has been overwhelming. Um, my publisher, Trafalgar Books, they got it to a lot of the reviewers of a lot of the magazines and some of the podcast people. It's all gotten lovely reviews. Um, and then I've do, kind of been doing my own marketing on the side because you have to do that. And I've even been interviewed by the Smithsonian podcast. Yo! And uh, it, it's very exciting that people are saying, yeah, this is really cool. And I'm getting you know little messages, emails from people going, wow, yeah, thank you for this. The other thing I'm doing is with the book, it's kind of, you know, it's all of a piece. But information about new equipment, new products, new whatever. The website, which is conveniently writersofacertainage.com, um, that I can update. So I can put specific, these are companies that sell whatever. Here's some new stuff. There's one place, it's called Farmhouse Tech of South Carolina. They actually do a video of people putting on the safety vest and what happens when you pop them so you can see what works and how to wear a helmet. So I want it to be that kind of an ongoing useful resource, as well as fun. I tried to write it a little tongue-in-cheek, as I said, you know, how, how many books can you read that give you the history of the sports bra? You know, you have to have some fun with this. Yeah. What's, what was your biggest obstacle in your personal writing journey when, when you started writing at a certain age that made you go, yeah, we, we need this resource? Was there something you ran into? I guess a lot of the other, yeah, a lot of the things that show up in the book. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm older. I was very lucky that I had good instructors, mm -hmm. but um, I had some health issues, leg issues, other you know, health mm -hmm. issues. As you get older, uh, there was the fear issue. I had a really bad fall off my mare, and I had to come back from that. Uh, finances are a very big thing. Most people don't think about that. They can get in, and that's just not with horses. That's as we get older, our finances change drastically and get a handle on that, whether or not you're with horses. Uh, so that was a very important thing. End of life issues. I mean, I'm on the downside of that bell curve. What happens if I can't take care of my horse? Yeah. So those were things that I thought people tend to ignore that, yeah. and it's critical. Yeah. I love that. What, do you have a horse currently? Tell I do not. I lost Aww. both of mine last year. I'm sorry. Uh, so am I. Mark was, Mark was about 25. He was yeah. doing fine. He still weighed 1,100 pounds. Big honking Dutch warm blood. Yeah. And he looked at me one day and went, Mom, I'm tired. Yeah. And then Chance, my other guy, had EPM. And I went out one day and he was, he was just talking in a yeah. circle. So I'm riding a friend's horse. He's a part uh, Clydesdale, part thoroughbred. His name is Budweiser. <laughs> and he's fun. He, he, he likes to do dressage, likes to go for trails. And right now, I'm not ready to get that involved with a horse again. Losing two of them in four months was like, but um, being around here, it's like, okay, prime in the pump, you're getting back in the mood, not looking for a horse, but oh, look, that's a pretty one. And part of the book is, one of the chapters is called, but he's so pretty, how to buy a horse or not. You know? Yeah. So what have you enjoyed the most about being here on the grounds as a presenter, as an author? What I enjoy the most about being here is meeting everybody. You know, the people come up, they're excited about the book, and I am pitching this book to everybody. Oh, it's about us. Um, and then, of course, we talk about their horses, their dogs, their kids, where they ride, where they live, what they like. Um, some good networking there. A lady that was talking about how to get more people involved in trail riding. 
Well, then the lady came by later. She's the head of a trail riding association. I said, okay, you guys need to trade here. And that's just terribly exciting to, 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 to be in four days at what is basically a theme park of horses. Anything else you want to mention or anything we didn't talk about that you think is important for people to know? I just want people to, to think that this is a resource. You know, it's not a guy, it's not a textbook. It's guidelines, it gives you ideas of where else to look, it highlights things that you need to think about. We're actually working on a workbook journal that'll start with this, it's called Creating Your Journey. I don't have a copy yet, it's still at the printers. But it'll say, like, this talks about, oh, your dream of horses. Well, what is your dream of horses? Oh, you know, take care of my horse if I'm not here. Well, have you written down the steps? And I think that's a logical next step. And make it more than something fun to read. It makes it something that actually becomes part of your life. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Fran. Thank this you. Been... This, is, this is great. Yay. Yay. This has been awesome. Did you miss out on Fantasia tickets this year? Don't make the same mistake for 2023. Purchase your tickets to Fantasia Equine Affair's Musical Celebration of the Horse online at equineaffair.com. Fantasia will return to the Coliseum at the Ohio Expo Expo Center in Columbus, Ohio on April 13th, 14th, and 15th. With just three shows and lots of fans eager to claim their seats, you don't want to wait. Buy your tickets on the website, or you can give them a call at the Equine Affair office. That's Equine equineaffair.com. I have another great interview that I conducted at Equine Affair in Massachusetts with John Haim. John is a human performance coach who works with athletes from various disciplines, including the horse world. John builds confidence. He skillfully closes the gap in sport and corporate performance from where you are to where you want to be. And he was presenting at Equine Affair in Mass, as well as signing copies of his new book, which I highly recommend. It's called Ride Big, The Ultimate Guide to Building Equestrian Confidence. And we caught up with him during the event. So here's a little about John. All right, so let's start off. Tell us a little bit about who you are, uh, what you do, and what your passion is. Uh, my name is John Haim, and I work as a high-performance coach for athletes and corporate executives. Passion, I would say, is sports, but interested in a lot of things. I played professional golf, which I think is sort of unusual, you know, especially for equine affair. Um, but I found my way to equestrian sport after playing a pro- another professional sport. Wow. And so... Did you grow up as a horse person? Tell me about your horse background. No, I did not grow up as a horse person. I grew up, like I said, I grew up in the golf business Mm -hmm. and I played professional golf for six and a half years. But about seven years ago, a friend of mine uh, in Ottawa, Canada, where I live, asked me to help his daughter who was a meter 20 show jumper. And at the time, uh, I mean, my main practice, I would say, is working with uh, high-level professional athletes. Mind you, I work with all sorts of different athletes, but I work in the NBA, NFL, PGA Tour, ATP Tennis. And I had never worked in equestrian before. So uh, it was cool. It was a challenge for me, actually, to do something different. So I talked to her. I got interested in the sport. Uh, I went to clinics. I went I talked to coaches, uh, I traveled to shows, and we helped her. Uh, She made some really nice strides. And then we started to work with other show jumpers and hunters, and then we got into dressage, and then we got into eventing. 
Um, and I went to badminton. I've been like traveling the globe, I would say, for the past six years, working for some of the best show jumpers and, uh, and dressage and eventers, actually, in the world. So uh, that's how I got into it. So, and I learned how to ride myself too, Allison, which is really a, kind of a, a, a very different thing for me. Yes. And uh, that, that's been super fun, actually. So how's it been adjusting to, you know, golf is a sport with a stick and a ball and it's all you. And then with a horse, obviously you're working with a partner that has a brain and another body and you're trying to communicate. How was that for you personally, kind of shifting that focus of, it's a sport, this is a sport, this is a sport, but I've got this whole other partner with me now. Yeah, that's a great question, Allison. Um, obviously, uh, golf is about you. Uh, equestrian's not. So the dynamic is actually more difficult in equestrian sports. So when you talk about things like what I do, emotions, and how the emotions of the rider impact the partner, and vice versa, how the emotions of the partner uh, impact the riders. So. Um, that's been fascinating for me to understand the horse aspect of it. I focus on the rider, but I have to intimately know the partnership between the two and what makes that tick and how to make it better. So uh, like to, the simple answer is that golf is a, a complicated sport in itself, but it's the individual. Um, I would say that uh, equestrian sport is one more level of complication, obviously, because of the, the partnership aspect and because of the horse aspect. Yeah. So you've written a book. Tell us about your book. Yes. Well, the book is called Ride Big, and I was asked to write it uh, actually by a number of people. Uh, we got together with Trafalgar Square Books. They asked me what I wanted to write about. And it's interesting because most people who call me, especially the last few years in equestrian sport, want to talk about confidence. So it's usually uh, a key topic in the first two minutes of the conversation when I initially talk to them when they call us. So I wrote a book on confidence for uh, equestrian athletes. Uh, the core pieces of, of the, the book is, is cut up into three pieces. The core pieces of confidence, how to build confidence, and then what are the threats, potential threats in equestrian sport to confidence and what could take it away? So I really think um, we've been helping a lot of equestrians with this book. And I really believe that this idea of confidence is important for equestrian athletes just because of the dynamic, the partnership. And it's, it's so critical for the rider to be really good. Absolutely. And confidence especially with horses is the horse knows when you're not confident and when you're confident so it's so important and I love that you've written this book and that you came to equestrian life differently and you have this great sports mindset that you've I mean that's just really really valuable and really unique like is there anyone yeah. like you <laughs> well I don't know I don't think so because most people have a background in equestrian equestrian sport but I have more of a 30,000 uh, foot view uh, of the sport. Um, I don't intricately know the sport, obviously, like a lot of the horse people in the sport, but I've really spent a lot of time uh, talking to coaches, like I said, going to clinics, uh, going to shows, and learning as much as I possibly can about the sport. So, and yes, my experience in the other sports uh, exponentially helps me in taking those lessons and taking that experience into equestrian sport, for sure. Yeah. So when you come to an expo like this, where you're surrounded by horse people, 
what do you enjoy about talking to them about what do you enjoy about teaching them and kind of what are the takeaways that you hope horse people take from your talks um, well, the, 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 talk, the talks I'm doing here at Equine Affair are related to confidence. So we're doing one on ride big and ride small. What is the difference between the two? So the whole idea of riding big is riding with confidence. And when I was in Wellington, uh, probably about five years ago, I was sitting with a bunch of riders and we were talking, they were asking me when riders came into the ring, what does ride big look like and what does ride small look like? So I would say to them, well, that rider's riding big for this reason. That rider looks like they're riding small for this reason. So, uh, so yeah, but related to coming to Equine Affair and seeing, I mean, horse people are so passionate about the horse, obviously, and that's so refreshing for somebody like me too, to, and it's so different. So I love talking to them about horses, their experience with horses. Um, and then on the other side of it, uh, they always ask me what I do. And I talk to them about the performance of themselves, if it's relate, if we're talking about them, or we could be talking about their students or whatever. So uh, there's a nice give and take there because I'm always learning from them and hopefully they're learning something from me too. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, John. This has been an absolute pleasure. and. I just appreciate you joining us today. Thank you, Allison, and it's great to be at Equine Affair. Yes, sir. And our final interview for this episode is with Sandra Fraser. So Sandra is the Director of Sales and Business Development for Celtics Performance Protection, which is this cool new company that decided to launch their products at Equine Affair in Massachusetts this year. So they're brand new, and they sell saddle pads that are made out of this new product that helps protect the horse's back from impact injuries. So here's a great interview with Sandra, and if you want to learn more about Celtics, visit Celtics, that's C-E-L-T-Y-X dot net. But here's Sandra for you to learn some more. My name is Sandra Fraser. I'm here with my brand new company, Celtics Performance Protection. We are from Ottawa, Canada. A brand new product designed, developed to improve the protection of our horses' backs. I discovered, uncovered a brand new uh, multi-directional impact property product that was invented and produced, invented by UMass and produced here in Massachusetts. Um, I found the product, I ran with it because of our problem with show jumping. Our horses have the best of everything, the best of footing, the best of shoeing, the best of care, the best of maintenance, the best of vetting. You go in the ring, a jump can go wrong, the rider can go wrong, and the horses are sore, and everybody focuses on, oh, it must be lame. And I thought, no, no, it's, it, we're hurting without intending. So maybe this fabulous new product that was designed and developed for football could be beneficial for the equestrian world. I'm capable of developing and manufacturing saddle pads and thought that was the logical, plus it would answer my problem. And the results were phenomenal, phenomenal. We've been, we've had, um, been testing for 18 months and we've discovered that because it is a... Um, because, it, because of the impact properties, because it is a breathable and wicking property, our horses' backs are kept at optimal temperature for optimal muscle movement and, and function. And the impact is so high that ordinary, ordinary use, there are benefits that we, we, did, we couldn't imagine. And then we started getting feedback from the riders. 
my back doesn't hurt, my hips don't hurt, and I thought, we weren't thinking about you, we were thinking about the horse, but okay, this is a double benefit that is wonderful. And produce the product, brand it, call it Celtics because of power and protection, obviously performance protection because we want to improve performance, we want to protect, long, add the longevity for these animals, for us, obviously now that's the secondary, and um, thought Equine Affair is the place to come to see what we can find out in our market research. So why did you choose Equine Affair to launch your company and your product? What led you here? So what led me to Equine Affair? Um, I personally have been in the horse industry for 50 years this year. I have been very aware and observed the marketing has been fantastic for Equine Affair. Never had the opportunity to come. I'm not that close. And when we had this new brand, new product, I thought this could be the proper place to be. It is so well marketed. It has such a good following, great following. It, it attracts the broad demographics of our equine industry. It, it, affect, it draws the attendees come for Western disciplines, English disciplines, recreational disciplines. There's all ages here, all economics here. And I thought, oh, we have a wonderful opportunity to do our market study, our market demographics, see how this is being received, see what we have to tweak. Um, I know my market for the hunter jumper. I know it beyond, without, it, without any doubts. But this pad will benefit horses. This pad we know through our testing benefits all disciplines. So let's see how it's received by the people that actually come to buy. And that's why I'm here. And how's that been going for you? Oh, the th this has been the best four days. Surprises, wonderful surprises, met goals. Yes, we are selling. Uh, met the goals that we set out, but then the information that we received um, was over what I expected. Um, this is a really good event. Like, this is not just a good event, this is a great event. I find that the attendees, the people that are coming here, they're happy. They're kind of it's the happiest place on earth, but it's for horses. Um, the other vendors, it's a very positive, positive place. And the feedback coming back to us. Um, what does it do? How can it help me? How can it help my horse? They're coming from all the disciplines, all the demographics. Our price point's quite uh, substantial because it's such a new new product. It's the impact component is a very expensive product um, that that hasn't stopped people. It's about what it can do for their horse. And we have quite a few older ladies, which was a market demographic that I'd forgotten about. <laughs> the older baby boomer who is still actively riding and they're they're actively buying too so this was this was the bonus from coming for coming here so this is your first time being here right <laughs> this is my first time being here I don't know why I haven't been here before I can't other than the dates can collide with a very important event in Canada that we've always participated with um, but it was much more important for me to get our market our marketing studies and research done as we are and it was a perfect place to launch and the results were outside expectations and this the, this event is fabulous the, um, the the people who are putting it on they're they're quite amazing as well I they say things run downhill so I'm assuming that the 
owners must be fabulous people because the staff is really amazing. And haven't found a crusty person here. Haven't found a crusty person. It's been pretty good. <laughs> What's been your personal favorite thing about it so far? Like what have you seen that just made you really happy? The people. The people make me, what makes me really happy about being here? The people. It, um, they tell us there's some economic problems coming. And when you talk out, out there, out in our communities and that, there's a fear element coming. Here, it's like, it doesn't matter about economic. It seems to be that the common denominator is the horse. The common denominator is being with others of all disciplines, sharing their passion, their interest. And there is no fear here. There is no, there is no uh, crabbiness or, oh, things are tough, things are bad. That's been left at the door. It's still out there. It has to be still out there. But here, it doesn't appear to be in here. Talking to other vendors, they're not negative. They're like, whoa, this was beyond our expectation. We met our expectation. This is, like, we were worried, but wow, we feel good. And like I said earlier, I hate to use that term, but maybe it might just be the happiest place in the world at the moment. <laughs> That's my feeling. The vibe is very good here. So how can people learn more about your company and your product? So brand new web, brand new company, brand new everything. We have a website, www.celtics.net. Celtics spelt C-E-L-T-Y-X. Played a little bit with the word because I didn't want to compete with the famous um, sports teams. <laughs> but incorporating our, our background into the company. If you're loving this podcast and learning more about Equine Affair, catch up on all your favorite past episodes of the Equine Affair podcast by visiting horsesinthemorning.com. Scroll down to the middle of the page and you're going to see a purple Equine Affair logo or by visiting equineaffair.com slash home slash podcast. And make sure you keep listening to Horses in the Morning wherever you get your podcasts and checking out Equine Affair's monthly episode, which airs here the third Thursday of every month. Well, that's our show for today, and I just want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. It's been a lovely year hanging out with you guys, and I can't wait to see what 2023 brings. And auditors, hold on for a little bit of a post-show where we're going to talk about Scotland, one of my favorite places, and I want to go back. Until then, we'll see you all at Equine Affair. Time for the Auditor Post Show. We want to remind you that this is not always safe for work or the kiddos. Thanks for hanging around for our nonsense. All right, let's talk about Scotland. Yay, my favorite subject. When were you there? (laughs) So my husband and I went in, it was the very end of August, very beginning of September of 2015. And what'd you do in Scotland? Oh, we did all kinds of cool things. So um, we went for a week. Uh, I was still, it was my first year at a different job, not equine affair, but a different job. So I didn't technically have vacation days yet. <laughs> so it was unpaid vacation. And so we had to kind of keep it short for that reason, because we were both young and married and poor. Um, and we had also just literally closed on our first house. So we were trying to make the most of it, but we went for a week. Um, and so we went to 
we flew into Edinburgh, of course, and we stayed at this amazing Airbnb. Um, we rented a car, which was terrifying. Um, yes, yes, you're right. For you're all, right. a lot of different reasons. <laughs> well, Edinburgh's tough to drive in anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we rented a car and we drove way out into the countryside to stay at our Airbnb, which was this gorgeous bed and breakfast called, um, oh gosh, the Red Hill. And it was beautiful. Uh, and then we went to, let's see. We went to some of the little towns on the coast that were like a half hour drive. And those were amazing. We spent a day in Edinburgh, of course. We climbed Arthur's Seat. We visited Edinburgh Castle. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, that's yeah. required. <laughs> um, and then, and we walked up and down the mile, of course. And then we decided to go on a road trip to the Highlands. So we drove up into the Highlands, went to Loch Ness, rode a boat uh, on Loch Ness, which was like a lifetime experience. We visited the Clavicairns, so you got to see some standing stones while you're there, right? Um, that was an amazing. The drive uh, up must have been fun. cool. Oh, it was. It was. But you gorgeous. got out of the circles and stuff. <laughs> yes, we got out of the terrifying circles. <laughs> Going the wrong direction on yeah. the wrong side. <laughs> yes. Highway driving was totally different. Like it was just yeah. like, hey, we're good. Nobody's you know trying to cut us off or swearing at us. <laughs> No, but it's the stopping and pulling out and remembering to go into the correct lane. And then a circle is just a nightmare. Yeah, that's just... It's horrifying. Um, (laughs) I mean, they're bad enough here. (laughs) Yeah, they're bad enough here, but it was horrifying. Um, And I think even a a Scottish cop, like, cut us off at one point in the median. And, you know, it was just like, I'm going over here. And we're just like, oh, my God, please don't kill us. (laughs) So we kind of did a Scotland in a week as much as you can. Um, saw a whole lot, a whole lot of cool stuff. So tell me about your trip so we can. Well, we went with friends and we went to, for a week to London, and then nice. we spent a week in London. And had our friend who we're going away with again next year. Uh, we're going on a cruise of uh, the fjords of Norway. And oh my gosh! We start in Amsterdam. Yeah, that's a lifetime trip. But she's so good at booking the weirdest Airbnbs that are so cool. <laughs> so in London, she said, "I think I got us a good spot." We were right on the river, up about fifteen floors on this apartment that had rooftop access. So it was a patio on the roof. Oh my gosh! So we had this two-bedroom apartment up on the, pretty much on the top of this building with rooftop access overlooking the whole of London. Wow. Right at the river. It was just amazing. <laughs> it was the best part of the trip was the part. Uh, yeah. So, so when, that, were, when did you was, go? We went, well, we went, I'll tell you when we went, we went in August because one of the reasons, the reason the whole trip was pran- planned around going to the tattoo yes. in Edinburgh. And that's yes. the Royal Tattoo with uh, hundreds of bands and bagpipes and it's done at the Edinburgh Castle. Mm-hmm. So you got the castle in the background which they light up and it just was magical. It was absolutely yes. it was one of the I'd go back there in a minute. Yeah. And that's also during what they call the Fringe Festival, which the Fringe Festival is this weird art festival and music festival that happens all over Edinburgh for a month. And a million people come in. So we were there with a million of our friends to see the tattoo. And we, the French festival is kind of a side thing. Yeah. But there was just stuff. There's like a hundred acts going on at the time all day, every day, all over town. So it's crowded, but, but it's, you know, it's got an energy to it. And, uh, 
we we uh, so we had a great time doing that uh, in Edinburgh. We you know we spent a couple days in Edinburgh, and then we yeah. met listeners who took us out to dinner over there. That was a lot of fun. And then we did we did trips outside. We did bus trips though. We didn't drive. We did bus trips outside into you know the rural parts of of Scotland. But uh, our highlight was was definitely the tattoo. And if you're not sure what that is, just look up Royal Tattoo on YouTube, and you'll find a thousand videos. Uh, but it was one of, the, and I've been a lot of concerts, you know, anything from rock to classic to whatever. Yeah. Uh, this was the coolest thing ever, just because of the setting, and it was a beautiful night. It was just gorgeous, which you can't always get. Matter of fact, it rained every night after that. Oh. Uh, for all that, they do the show anyway, but just sitting out in the rain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was just gorgeous. And then, you know, we had uh, our listeners that took us out to dinner, uh, for some reason knew a lot about the old cemetery that was there, just below the castle. And they took us in there and gave us the whole tour. It was nighttime. And they gave us a tour of the cemetery with, you'd hear all the activity going on in town. Oh my so gosh. it was just an experience that was well worth it. Now, next time we go, we want to do what you did. We want to, you know, venture out. Yes. Um, because I, I definitely want to do that. We stayed in Edinburgh in this old hotel, probably from the 1800s. The ceilings were huge. I mean, enormous, 20 feet up. And it was this very old-fashioned hotel, very old. It had the toilet that had the tank above, yes. like in old <laughs> movies, and no air conditioning. And we were there in August. It did get kind of warm in that room, but the yes. windows were enormous. It was just, it was a unique experience. And then, like you, you probably found some pubs that you really liked. Yeah. 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 We did not eat a bad thing once. Like, everything... Yeah. You cannot find bad food, I'm convinced, in Scotland, because no matter where we went, um, we went to Dunbar, we went to North Berwick, we went to Edinburgh, we went up in the Highlands, of course, everywhere we went, even like the littlest hole in the wall place was delicious. Did you uh, learn like we did? And I don't know if it's at every pub there, but you, we walked in and sat down and nobody came over. And it's like, we finally figured out you had to go up to the counter to order. Uh, and then they brought your food out to you. But it, in many of the places in Edinburgh, the basic pubs there, you went mm-hmm. up to the counter and ordered with the bartender, and then they brought the food out to you. We didn't run into that. Yeah. We had, we had waiters, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it took us a while to figure that one out. <laughs> so. And it was just some of the places were like that. Now, we did, you know, the Queen's house at the bottom of the Royal Mile there, uh-huh. uh, Hollywood House. Yes. And we went uh, there too. you heard about yeah. that because she was laying in state there. Um, during her funeral, we managed to snag these tickets and there was only one batch every night and there was like eight people. And there was a private tour of Hollywood house in the evening with nobody else there. Oh my gosh. So we got to do that. I I don't know. I snagged these tickets off a trip advisor or something (laughs) and it was just us and like eight or 10 people and the guide. And it was dark by the time we left and we were in that house and we got to see rooms that you don't get to see on the normal tour. Oh, man. That was pretty cool. Oh, <laughs> man. I'm so jealous. That yeah. was pretty cool. So if you're heading over there, look for those evening tickets, the after hours tickets. I think we paid more, but it was worth it. And did you see the room? I think it was in Hollywood where there's a blood stain on the floor. And yes. Mary. Yeah. Yes. So and that would have been even tiny creepier. little staircase, winding mm-hmm. staircase to get to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing that made me wonder about all the castles there pretty much is those stair circular staircases usually made out of stone. How are they wide enough for a knight in armor to get up those steps? They're so narrow. Well, people were smaller back then, weren't they? Yes, but you know, if you were carrying a sword, you would have <laughs> impaled yourself. Well, I think <laughs> that they're built a certain way so that the sword is 
I think I remember this, that those staircases are built a certain way so that your sword was always on your left and it was always pointing into the middle of the spiral. Well, let's hope. <laughs> I think that's be, why they're... take a while getting up there. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why they are what they are. It could be, maybe one of your listeners knows and is like, no, Allison, you idiot, it's this way. <laughs> but <laughs> now, but what, I think so. <laughs> what we missed, and I want to see next time, is they do have Scottish games. They have Scotland games over there. Mm-hmm. And I really do want to see one of those in, you know, we, we were, of course, Renaissance Fair people here. Yes. So I'd really like to see one of those in Scotland. Yes. That, the that ultimate w- experience. It would be. Um, I, the, you bringing up Ren Fair reminded me. So I was terrified that, um, have you ever noticed when you're speaking to someone with a particular accent, if you're a theater person, you almost begin to speak yes. in that accent with them. Yes. yes. I was terrified I was going to do that by accident because I was a lot closer to my Ren Faire days. Um, and so I was terrified that I was going to accidentally like mock a, a Scottish person by speaking in their accent. And that did not happen. Thank God. But I do remember this time uh, we were at Holyrood. Um, I had gone to the restroom and I heard these two women talking and I had been surrounded by Scottish people um, or people of different ethnicities and, and accents, you know, none, none familiar. Um, and I heard these two women talking and I could tell immediately they were from Tennessee and they were from Middle Tennessee, which is where I'm from. So, of course, I had to go up to them and go, hey, are you guys from Tennessee? And they were like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, yay, me too. And it was just such a moment, like a little <laughs> glimpse of home, just that auditory home that you didn't even know you were missing, where you hear people who are from where you're from and you go, yeah, there you are. Um, it was it was kind of just funny. And it's like, I wasn't even homesick yet, but I heard that. And immediately I was like, oh, I am in a different country, <laughs> far from home. <laughs> the other thing about Scotland is the accent is so thick with some people that I yes. had a tough time sometimes. And even after yes. a week, I was still having a tough time with some of them. Well, and it varies so much. Like in American media, we hear the Scottish accent and we think there's just one Scottish accent, but there are so many different accents, all depending on where you are um, in the country and where they were raised and where they were from. And so like our, our landlord, our host at the Airbnb, um, he had a very thick accent. And after a few minutes, you could start to listen and tune your ear and you could hear him. And it was just like normal. You could communicate perfectly. But then when we went up in the Highlands, they had different accents too. Obviously. Well, they're thicker up there too, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then our, our host, our captain on the ship on Loch Ness sounded just like Sean Connery. <laughs> and I kind of wondered if he was doing it on purpose, you know, like for the American tourists. Um, because of course that's a tourist thing to do, right? You want right. to ride a boat on, on Loch Ness, but, um, but he sounded just like Sean Connery, which was hysterical. So. And by the way, if you're going there, too, you don't have to go to Loch Ness. Any of the locks are beautiful. It doesn't matter. It's, this is very true. <laughs> it Any doesn't of them. matter. It's just gorgeous. <laughs> uh, we did drive by the big horse heads. Oh, uh, I didn't get to, but I, I wish yeah, next We time. drove by, and we didn't stop. We, we mm-hmm. did drive by them. We got an accident on the bus. Um while we were going to one of the castles, I forget which one, going up these little tiny castle road in this great big bus and the car coming down and he sideswiped the car. The car sideswiped oh. us or something. So that was fun. Um, oh, no. And they're so narrow. They're just yes. so narrow. Yes. 
But yeah, it was fun. I mean, I would definitely go back to Scotland in a minute. Oh, um, uh, yeah. And Ireland, too. I haven't been to Ireland yet, and yes. I would like to do that. Um, so I think I would go, nothing, I don't want to offend our British listeners, but <laughs> I would go back to, uh, I, I'd go back to Scotland and Ireland and then back to England again. I want to do it in that order. Well, they're all uh, right there. Yeah. So they are. And we, you know, we did see England. We saw parts of England. We saw, yeah. you know, we didn't get to spend a lot of time in the countryside, which is something we want to do too. Uh, well, I would, I'd love to do all three, you know, also. I think Ryan and I want to go back and we want to go to England first and see England because we didn't, we didn't do that. We were very close to the border. Um, but we did not go into England. I think we'd want to fly into London, do London, then maybe do some more Scotland. Um, and then of course now I have a horse friend in Ireland. So I have somewhere, I have someone to visit. There you go. That that um, makes it even more fun. It was so, fun to meet listeners there because you yeah. know you get the inside scoop. I bet. Yeah. Do you watch Down Abbey? Places. I do. Oh, well, so we took the tour of we took the bus tour up to Highclere. Oh, um, and we got to see Highclere, which was very cool because you could just go. Oh, I see that and that and that and that room, <laughs> and this room, and this room. You know, that's where she killed the guy, and you know all that stuff. <laughs> you know, so that's you, where he died. It's yeah. not where she killed but, him. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> so, I think she killed him. Um, she was really enthusiastic and killed him. Oh, so, my gosh. So, the other thing you get to do there is walk around the grounds all you want. So, oh. it was so cool to walk around the grounds there. And then the other thing is they take you to the town. And they let us out. And we took this tour from London. And you go to the town and they'll let you out in the town. You can explore town for like half a day. And they have all these little shops set up. And it's exactly like you see. I mean, it's exactly. You get to go to the church. Uh, by the way, that town is about an hour from the castle. Okay. Yeah, that it's makes a ways sense. from the castle. Yeah. But they completely, re- you know, they, they put dirt down on all the streets. They take all the modern signs down and they, you know, they really transform it into that town. But you recognize everything. You know, oh. when you're in the town, you know, you know, which, which one's the post office and which, one, you know, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So, and of course, everybody's selling souvenirs and, you know, everything else. Well, of course. So now that was what, fun. what did you, do you have a souvenir from your trip that you like still have that you still treasure? I'm sure we do. I'm just trying to think of what they are. <laughs> I think what it is. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. A lot um, of good memories. That's for yeah. sure. Well, that's the most important thing. Um, did you guys visit Arthur's seat? No, we did not. Oh, man, Glenn. Okay, so I had the, there was this young adult book I read as a child uh, called Searching for Shona. And it talked about these two little girls climbing Arthur's seat. And because it was a young adult novel, it was not super detailed. I had no idea what Arthur's seat was. I just knew it was a hill in Scotland. And I had read this book over and over again as a child. And I wanted to climb Arthur's seat because they did it in the book. So fast forward to 2015, we go to Scotland, we're in Edinburgh, and I say to Ryan, we need to climb Arthur's seat. And he's like, okay, because he's, you know, he's game, he'll do anything. Um, he's a horse husband. So we <laughs> he's used to my crazy ideas. So we start climbing and Arthur's seat is this legendary, it's a hill, but I mean, it, it's more like a bald, short mountain um, it's legendary. It's right there in Edinburgh. It's in Holyrood Park. It's quite the hike. This is not like something you go up in an hour and come down. <laughs> so we were not quite prepared for the hike that it was, but we climbed all the you way up there. You and every other American. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we climb all the way up there and it was, 
it's a gorgeous view. You can, when you finally get to the top, uh, it's an incredible view of the whole city. Um, you can see the castle from there. You can see everything from there. And it, I really would encourage you if you go back, go on All a right, hike. We'll have to do that. Dress for a hike. Go up there. Um, it was awesome. And then we ha- we took our camera, of course, and we took some great pictures. And um, just this year, I finally picked one of the pictures we had taken of Arthur's seat and decided to print a huge canvas of it. And I have it hanging in my living room. Well, and that's cool. It feels like we're right there. Um, and it just brings back that memory like you were talking about every time. But definitely, if you go back, you need to climb Arthur's seat because it's, it's awesome. All right. We'll put that on the list for next time because there's going to be yeah. a next time for sure. And wear hiking shoes and take <laughs> water. Uh, <laughs> and there's a delicious ice cream cellar um, at the bottom for when you come down and you can get some ice cream. <laughs> So, so uh, we have to wrap soon. But uh, yes. so the trip we have coming up with our friends that we did this trip with um, to Amsterdam and then taking the cruise up uh, to the fjords of Norway, mm-hmm. um, we're staying. She found this Airbnb. Whose studio was it? Rembrandt? It, uh, she found this Airbnb that was Rembrandt's old studio. You are kidding. No, it's right on one of the water. Of course, everything's on the waterway in Amsterdam, but it, it's yeah. right on the canal. And of course, they have taxi stops, which are boats. And, and the taxi stop is right there. So apparently we can get to everywhere from there. But yeah, we're staying in Rembrandt's old studio. Um, so, I mean, that's how good she is at finding this stuff. I want, can you arrange an introduction? <laughs> yeah, she should do this for a living. As a matter of fact, her husband said, you really should do this for a living. Yeah, that's amazing. Good <laughs> She grief. could just be the Airbnb finder for people, you know, yes. pay a fee, and she'll find the really cool Airbnbs for you. And they're affordable. They're not, you know, ridiculous. And when you're going yeah. with two couples, it helps. But Yes. Um, but yeah, so we're doing that, and uh, we're l- really looking forward to that. We, you know, we like cruises, and, and we wanted to see the fjords, and it's like, well, you can't really drive. It's... A lot of mountains, so yeah. it's like okay. Well, then we're gonna we're just gonna take a boat. And one nice thing about the cruise is your 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 room is the same every night. You don't have to move that your is, stuff. That is nice. Yeah, but that's anyway. We hope trip. we didn't bore you all <laughs> with our trip. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe we got some things wrong, and your listeners would be like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah and our Scottish <laughs> listeners, you can pipe into. <laughs> yeah, and you can, yeah. Sorry, we love your country. It's we amazing. <laughs> Think that and, came I, across. <laughs> and I didn't mention Outlander, not once, except no, but to you say were up that in I that didn't. country. You were I up was, there. Yeah. I was. And it may or may not have had something to do with Outlander. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you see him up there? Was he hanging around? Was she hanging around up there? No, no. I, there was a cutout mm. of Jamie Fraser on the Royal Mile, mm. of course. Yeah. Um, that was not the main reason I went. The main mm. reason uh, was. That was the place my husband and I wanted to go the most was Scotland. And then I, of course, have, I know enough about my family ancestry to know that we come from up there uh, in the borders, actually, between England and Scotland. So, you know, but anyway. Uh, you were near where they were always fighting and killing each other. Well, that's because my ancestors were doing a lot of the fighting and killing. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm not going to say <laughs> any more than that, but they uh, got in a lot of trouble. So, anyway. But yes, Scottish listeners, I apologize if we said anything wrong. Or Well, you, and if you want yeah. to come on the next time we're together and talk to us about Scotland, we'd love to have you on the post show. So let us know. We would love it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Allison. Thanks. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Congratulations. You made it through another post show. 
Thank you for all your support. Now, go ride your horse.